What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, March 14th, 2021, and this week's episode, The Month of Middleweights, begins. We'll be recapping everything UFC Vegas 20, Leon Edwards against Bilal Muhammad, and what we might see next. We'll talk about a little bit of MMA news. Megan Anderson could have uh, sent out a very foreboding message for the featherweight division. And the return of El Kukui, Tony Ferguson. And we'll cap it off by previewing this Saturday's fight card, headlined by Derek Brunson and Kevin Holland. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Hey, did you, uh, did you spring forward? this morning or are you uh <laughs> okay so here's what happened to me very f- i'm glad you asked that so i wake up and like most people you know like you kind of look at your phone what time is it or whatever yeah it, it, and so i notice it's like you know it's an hour later you know i tend to wake up between about 7 30 to 8 30 is my sweet spot typically and i noticed the clock is like oh like 9 12 and i was like oh i, I slept in a lot today right <laughs> And so, you know, you're kind of chilling and, you know, it was kind of weird because I'll say it, I was still a little tired. I was I was having one of those mornings. And so, you know, I kind of wake up and I had work today. And so I'm kind of like, man, you know, like, what's going on? Like, I even slept longer and everything. I didn't I didn't go to the kitchen. I kind of went to the couch and I was just kind of chilling and I'm trying not to stress myself right. And then very bluntly, I go over to the stove and it's like, you know, it's the hour back. It's like yeah. 8, 8.30, or something. And I was like, ah, oh, dang. Like, wait. And then I was like, ah, that's why I don't feel that extra rest of daylight savings. <laughs> so that happened to me today. Yeah. Embarrassingly. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a weird one. I still can't understand why we have to mess with our clocks the way we do, but... uh whatever <laughs> i think they said technically speaking if you just add them up and you never change the clock back eventually you'll have a thing where like 1 p.m it's the middle of the night oh no think, way really something like that just because like of that story. Or, or leap year something along those lines it's like if you don't change it just because remember different parts of the country get different amounts of sun i don't know why but yeah yeah but anyway, some, there's some states that don't do it right. Like, isn't Arizona like they don't change it? I don't know. I don't know. You gotta ask. You know, worldwide clocks daily. We're MMA yeah. daily. What about <laughs> you? Did you sleep well and all that? Well, you don't sleep well. You have a one year yeah, old. So well. I no, but he slept well. He actually, you know, was uh, what time? Like almost seven. Well, you know, almost. Uh, well, yeah. No, I guess he woke up at the same time. So, um, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, if it wasn't for the phone changing, I wouldn't have known until Lord knows what time, because you know that's the only thing that goes automatically, and I'd forgotten. So thank goodness for the for the smartphones. Yeah, and the thing about it is, cause like I went from my bed to the living room, and the box has the clock that changes automatically too. So it's like, you know, I'm thinking it's fine, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. So you cool. got confirmation with uh, your cable box, yeah. Exactly. You know what else I watched through my cable box? Not really, because it's on the app, but Leon Edwards against Bilal Muhammad. Wow. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Well, I, you know what? Pour one out for both of these guys. Um, 
you know, and I talked about it. It was a battle of good guys. It was a battle of two of the nice and just really mild-mannered personalities that just kill it consistently in the UFC. And, um, you know, my thing was it sucks if one of them has to lose. And it might have been one of the few instances, technically speaking, it was like they both lost. And, you know, I don't know how that could happen to both of these guys competing against each other but it did um let's start from the top uh what were your thoughts on the fight because we did get about a round and some change of action yeah it was a it was a fine fight i wasn't like blown away by by i mean it was it was a it was a good fight i should say they were they were kind of going back and forth leon edwards looked looked good um it wasn't like uh dull and it but it wasn't necessarily promising to be like a an all-out war so it was kind of just like okay they're they're warming up here there's a couple of good shots leon landed a head kick i think um at some point and so you know it was two guys that were gonna that were gonna give us a good fight but they weren't necessarily gonna put it all on the line because there was a lot on the line for them right so you don't want to like go crazy in the first two rounds um excuse me And uh, yeah, and then and then the incident happened. So it was round two. Is that when it went down? Yep, really early in round two. Yeah, um, obviously a, a lot of concern for Bilal when that happened because of his reaction. Knowing that he's going to be okay, there's no damage um, to the eye. Vision is not compromised. Made me go back and think. Okay, was that reaction more because of how the fight? suddenly stopped and he wasn't going to be able to make his mark you know this was a big opportunity for him to to get his name higher up on the rankings and beat someone like leon edwards um but initially i thought like oh my god he's in terrible pain you could hear that bisping was very worried for him uh uh, michael bisping was commentating so it was nerve-wracking and uh i think ultimately though he was more distraught and disappointed and crushed because the fight was over than he was you know in pain and and um reacting to the injury itself which is actually good news um but yeah it sucks for him sucks for leon edwards does it suck worse for one over the other ah maybe worse for leon edwards actually (laughs) what do you how did you see it i have to respectfully disagree that you don't. Uh, I'll I'll just say that if uh, Bilal Muhammad was that good of an actor, he would not be fighting. Um, no, I didn't uh, think he was faking it. I I just not I, at all. That's, that's I, not I'll I say think. this. I, I would say no. I get. I, I think that his. Uh, I personally, when I look at back at the photo and th- that sound that came out of that man, that was sheer pain. I really felt. I didn't. I I think that there was. When they got to reading the decision, I would say that there was more of the disappointment in his voice. But that first minute or two, I, I don't know if you saw it live, but I did, I, and yeah, that was no, a yeah. that was a stomach to the toes kind of a feeling. Just oh man, like I felt, I started to feel nauseous hearing him. I, I had to turn the volume down. I, I I do feel, I'll go on the record to say I felt like it was all from the pain personally, but um. You know, uh, and look, there was there's good reason to be disappointed in terms of the fight. I want to really address that. I, I felt like Leon looked great considering how much time he's been off. Um, Bilal is not a 
he is not a pushover of an opponent. I know that he's been waiting to get that breakout, but you look at his record, he's a consistent performer. I think he's like one and eight and one, and he's got on like a three or four fight win streak going into last night. He's a guy who's very difficult for a lot of guys, and I felt like Leon was actually hitting his mark pretty well, pretty pretty early. So I was very impressed by that. Um, physically, I felt like he'd look no worse for wear, considering how long he's been out and what he's been through with uh, recovering from COVID and everything. So I felt like that's, that was commendable. Bilal was not out of the fight after that first round, even though he'd been staggered. I, I thought that he was still he still had plenty of fight left. And then, of course, the, the way it happened... Um, like uh, I think it was Bisping or uh, Fitzgerald said that, you know, he was trying to mask the kick with, you know, kind of like the punch, but he extended the fingers. Um, I, I think I've said just about everything I need to on the, the actual accident itself. When you when I look at the photo and you see he's got a really gnarly gnash on the lower eyelid. Yeah. So that, yeah. Oh, I don't. It was like a hook when I saw that close up of the of like the freeze frame. Oh my goodness! It's like his finger went in and like pulled it. the 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 lower lid outward. Oh lord! I'll say it just like yeah. I'm not trying to say the guy was faking it. Okay. <laughs> All <But>. right. <laughs> okay. My my apologies. I was just like, you know what? You don't. Uh, I'll just say this. You make a different kind of noise when you lose an opportunity. Bilal didn't make that noise. He made the noise that you only make when it hurts for real. Yeah, I definitely thought, I was like, oh no, he must feel inside that his eyeball is like crushed or he can feel like fluid flowing or he, you know, he obviously can't see like, so it was, yes, I, I but, but ultimately when I was relieved to find out that it was fine, I thought, oh, okay, like a lot of that emotion must have also been from yeah. this thing is over. It's and done. Le- legit, uh, in those first few, that first minute or so when he really is letting it out, I'm not going to lie, I thought like. It, like, he- heaven forbid a guy has this kind of thing happen, but I was like, man, did, like, did the finger actually, like, not the eyelid, but legit go through the eye, like, oh my oh. gosh, I thought, I thought for that good couple seconds, we might see something really, really horrible, you know, um, he says it looks like there's no permanent damage, um, Bisping kind of said, uh, you know, the kind of stuff that could happen. It looks like for sure he's got to get the lower eyelid stitched up and the actual eye swelling and all that. The damage kind of needs to go down. So at best a couple weeks, um, I'm sure he's going to take more time than that. He's not going to make a quick turnaround off of this. Yeah. But my point is he will get better. And now we have a... uh, in the moment, I thought it was a dilemma. I'll be honest. If at worst, I think what we could have is just a very unfortunate turn of events, more so for Leon than uh, anything else. So, uh, do we have any more to discuss on the fight? No. Uh, so for me, I looked at it, and you know, we heard Dana White. Uh, I don't know if you saw his interview with Caroline Pierce for BT Sport. He said. Yeah, Leon looks good on Saturday. He's locked in a title shot. I think it would have been his ninth or tenth win in a row for Leon Edwards. And, you know, that pretty much gets you the job done, right? To be next for the title. Uh, He would have come back from that layoff and proved he's still at the top. 
with this happening now, it kind of doesn't... He was winning the first round. I think unanimously the unfortunate part is that does not count as winning the fight. And so now we have this kind of situation where Leon, do you still consider him the top contender? But then we also have this situation where, you know, for all intents and purposes, Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal are locked in to probably a, you know, early fall, maybe winter collision following the Ultimate Fighter. That's a long time because no matter what happens there, Leon Edwards probably isn't getting in there for UFC gold until 2022 at the earliest. And so do, did he earn did he have a performance that said he can wait for his title shot and it's guaranteed? Unfortunately, no. I I don't know and I know that sucks cuz of how long he's been out and what he's been through and just the nature of it, but when I look at the pieces moving around, which I'll bring up right now, I don't see a situation where Leon Edwards gets a title shot straight up from here unless something were to happen to Masvidal. What about you? Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a fair assumption because it was going fine. It was going in his favor, the fight, but you know, nothing enough to make Dana White or anyone uh, raise a you know raise a hand to say this guy should go first as far as title shots go but they have to do something for him right so I think he deserves a quick turnaround and he just has to be willing to take it like you know activity right like stay active like you were just you were just there it ended terribly if I'm him I would say just go whoever they give you someone below you whatever it is just stay busy um, because Bilal like that I mean a few months what did you what do you, what were you suspecting would be the the wait time for him to come back for Bilal Muhammad yeah you know I would say uh, I, I'm expecting he probably comes back in the fall I think that um uh, you got to think not only the the stitches got to heal up but there's a bit of a no contact kind of deal like, mm-hmm. even though the stitches come out on Monday, that doesn't mean you go to full sparring by Tuesday. You get what I mean? So Yeah, and and Leon, like, okay, so the fight didn't end the way he wanted it to, but he, he was just fighting Bilal because that's who all was left to fight and willing yep. to fight him. So I don't think he's going to want a rematch with that guy, even though, you know, thank you for, for being willing to fight me. Um, and so then what? What are your options? Sit around and wait more? Man. You're not getting any younger. Like, I would just tell Dana White, feed me, give me whoever. Let's go. I ain't got time for this. For my money, I believe that um, you could run it back, and that'd be perfectly acceptable. Uh, I'll say that right off the bat. But the looking at the way everything is sitting right now, and listening to Leon Edwards, I think that more likely. First off, for Bilal, he'll probably get somebody like Wonder Boy or Kiesa when uh, he comes back. For Leon, I could see the Wonder Boy fight happening, but the, I also feel like Colby Covington's probably that elephant in the room. Um, I think either of those guys, you know, those are the two guys right now with the biggest case to fight for the title. And um, I feel like. The fact is, both either one of them, 
you know, is kind of screwed because if you give the title shot to the other, you know, one guy is left just waiting an absurd amount of time despite being at the top of the division. So, you know, did Leon... Do I feel like he deserved it? Do I feel like a nine-fight win streak, eight-fight win streak gets you a title shot? I thought so. I really did. It just doesn't look like that's how it's meant to be and play out for him. And then for Colby Covington, it's like, look, you know, the fact is the the Masvidal thing, there's too many hurdles. Usman has already kind of shut him down, so that leaves Colby the odd man out. I think the best thing he could do for himself if he doesn't want... I'll say this. I don't think he should wait a year and a half. I think the best thing for both of the guys is to fight each other. And either way, if you're Leon, if you're Colby, you're likely fighting the other guy very soon after winning the belt. Just because no matter what, Usman or Masvidal would be coming off a loss. You win the title. Either Leon or Colby will be right there, the number one contender. So getting a chance to take out the other now in my opinion, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's a great matchup. And I hate to say this, but it's kind of like if Colby's willing, but who else is he going to fight, right? So hopefully they can do that. How long has it been now since Colby's fought? I have to... I think it was last August or September. I think it was September, yeah. These these welterweights are, the top welterweights are like just stewing. They're sitting on their haunches and they got to get this stuff going. Like you got really important names in this division and really good talent and uh there's just for one reason or another it's just stalled i think i mean uh like with leon was it his fault no No. um gilbert burns he sat on a title shot which if you know it's locked in why risk it so i give him a little leeway i think to me um the real burn comes from the Masvidal Colby because I think that that fight just made so much sense and I think the fact that it took too long to get it done ultimate fighter no ultimate fighter and now obviously Usman decided he wants a big money fight to rematch Mm -hmm. Masvidal it's like well let's just that pretty much I think they just lost a lot of time I think Colby and Jorge, you know, no matter what, you just got to acknowledge they lost a lot of time. It kind of pays off for Jorge because if he goes out there and wins the title, it was worth it. Obviously, if he doesn't, it's different. But Colby for sure got the most screwed in that deal. Um, And then for Leon, like once again, uh, I'll say it. It's a very, like most people, it's a very difficult style matchup for Leon, I think, fighting a guy like Colby. So... I know it's got to happen, but once again, you kind of feel like that's one you kind of want to already have fought for the belt before getting into a particular fight like that one, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. I hear you. Uh, I'll say this. Let me hit you with a curveball. Leon looked no worse for wear. No. Could you see a scenario where we get Leon and Colby in the near future? Like, let's say... May or June. Let's say May for the sake of it. That uh that one without a pay-per-view headliner. Do you think that could happen? Yeah, it sure it it sure could. Yeah. I mean, Leon, you know, no offense and not his fault as you said, but he's not really one to be calling shots right now. So, whatever he gets offered and if it's Colby, that's great. That's the best offer he can get right now, but he should just take anything at this point. 
I just could see them really getting that along and, you know, just to bolster that pay-per-view if it needs it. Or possibly June, if they need some backup for the flyweights, but yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, It was a weird night. Uh, First off, Dan Ige, 22 <laughs> seconds. Oh boy, that was, that was pretty, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, that was nice, easy day at the office for him. Very I cool. Love hearing, yeah, I love hearing Bisping and DC counting the seconds and thinking that that was how long the fight lasted. Forgetting <laughs> that they had already been fighting for like, for like 15, 15 seconds. seconds. Before that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, Ryan Spann, that was a very assertive one in the co-main. And, uh, oh, I mean, what are the odds, right? Um, mm-hmm. Twice, uh, well, two weeks in a row. Um, the Eric Anders illegal knee on Darren Stewart. Um, I'm blanking real quick. Did they call that a no contest? I believe so, right? Yes, but they were using yeah. the term no decision instead, which I feel like I'm not used to hearing. Usually I do hear that you say no contest, but they were saying no decision, no decision. You know, I feel like it's a very flexible. I, I, I'll say it. I think no decision sounds nicer. I kind of like yeah. that they're saying it. No contest just means like, well, that. Why'd we show up? No decision yeah. implies that, well, this fight couldn't go to the judges, which no contest does also, but I, I like the terminology. Um, yeah. I forget how they say they define it, but I think it's if the fight ends within a certain amount of time, there's nothing left to go to the judges. So you either call it a DQ or you call it like a technical decision because the fight has to stop early. Um, so it's because they don't give you a TKO like let's say you hit him low or something like that and the guy can't continue that's not how it works so I I do feel like there was a bit of a I, I heard some people saying like WTF about this but I feel like you know at the end of the day that was just the right call and I feel I do like that in this case Herb Dean stepped in to say like you know what uh I'm making a call about whether or not you can continue and I'm just eliminating the controversy. Unlike, I feel like there were lessons learned from last week. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? What? How did you think about how it all played out? Yeah, I think that that's, I mean. <laughs> I do was... know Darren Stewart stood up and he's a tough guy. I'll give him that, but It I was don't know. interesting. You know, it was a little, I'll say bizarre. Uh, but the doctor was first. He he seemed very concerned, which was good to see. Um, but I still feel like you know you're giving Herb Dean credit, but I still feel like it should be automatic. Like if you get need illegally, the fight should be over. Because no matter what, whether the fighter is a little bit hurt or a lot of bit hurt, they're compromised in the way that they wouldn't otherwise have been, right? And so they're already going to come back at a disadvantage whether they feel like they can continue fighting or they can't and they say they can't anyway. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think the, the, the controversy or the, the, uh, the illegal um, move from last week was still on everyone's mind very freshly. And uh, this one was interesting too, though, because I could have sworn, like, that was not the first illegal knee Eric Anders landed, but I guess it was. He was throwing a lot of knees, right? And so I already knew ahead of time that that's how the fight ended. And so I was like, oh, that was the knee. Oh, no, it's not. No one's calling it. Oh, okay, that was the knee. No, no, it wasn't that one. Um, so that was just something that was kind of weird for me. But 
I I agree. I I do I do remember seeing that and think it's like you know that I think he got away with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and, and Darren Stewart Darren Stewart was like uh, you know hurt, but I but what was seemed unfair to me in this respect, even though Eric Anders delivered an illegal shot, was that he was about to finish him, or very close to right. And so was Stewart, you know you know, discombobulated more from all the hundred shots he had taken before or from the knee, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, fair to say a combination. And um, it is what it is, man. Like bottom line is an illegal shot is an illegal shot and that's it. Now, what, when, what happened last week with, um, was last week at Jan and um, Sterling, Sterling, there was a tweet that Demetrius Johnson put out, right, about, uh, you, he was. I think he was criticizing Sterling and um, that he was uh, essentially like stalling in that position to avoid um, getting attacked when he stood up, and that they should allow, uh, you know, uh, reminding us that in one championship, uh, knees are allowed. But like, I don't think it's fair to criticize the fighters or the rule set. Like, if fighters are are competing in the UFC and illegal knee or knees are allowed to the head then like everyone's going to be ready for it and so when you're in that position where you're about to rise you're going to be prepared to defend yourself to protect yourself but when you're fighting the ufc and that is not the case like you you know you're not expecting that so it's a it's it's considered still a dirty move right we're in one championship obviously it's part of the part of the rule set so i don't think it's fair for 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 mighty mouse to uh, to criticize um anyone who gets kicked or kneed in the head illegally and then you know what kind of reaction do they have how do they respond Uh, it's not fair but ultimately like man for the sake of the injured party like just leave it out of take it out of their hands if an an illegal blow was delivered the fight is over dq move on i'm gonna give a little bit of gray area because i want to acknowledge not all illegal strikes are equal which is to say some low blows guys recover from other low blows that fight is over with and that is very clear early um same thing with eye pokes same thing with uh you know a couple different things um so i i do acknowledge that there are cases where the fight can still go and i would hate for it to be a blanket rule but i I do understand when sometimes they feel like hey you know we're how much should how compromised are we sending a fighter back out there you know especially when it was a look the fact is a foul is a foul and in fight sports you know if we're calling something a foul when you could do all the different things you can do to a person within the rules of mma i think that's saying some personally so uh, i do understand that there's some gray area but i also like the fact that it's like look you know let's just have a little bit of a precedence and I think that that was just uh, what we saw from Herb Dean on Saturday. But uh, yeah, it was a very it was popping last night. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of good finishes, a lot of stuff going on. Um, so very nice night of MMA. I think that they followed up the big pay per view pretty well. I know it didn't look when you have three title fights, it's kind of hard to get as excited for a fight night, regardless of who it is. So, but I think if you tuned in for some MMA, you got good television. Um, Natalie Megan Anderson got back on Twitch and she was 
dropping some heat. She was dropping some bombs, and she said that uh, she did confirm what we all knew. That was it for her UFC contract. But then she dropped the bomb, and she said, UFC told me that they're closing the division, and that Felicia Spencer, Danielle Wolf is going to be the last fight that they hold. I'm going to just let you take it from there. Mic drop? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, not surprised, right? We talked about this as much uh, last week, that if Nunez wins, um, you know, it's probably over. Um, unless she says, hey, you know, like, we'll just let her keep the belt. And then if, unless she's, unless someone comes along, I think it was your point, unless someone really special comes along, they're not going to reopen it. They're not going to, like, uh, you know, dust off the... Uh, the, the furniture in the 145 division unless someone special comes along and Nunes is, is up for it. Uh, if Anderson had won, okay, then you have to very least have a rematch and then we'll see what happens. So not surprised, but still it's kind of like a dun-dun-dun when you actually get some some sort of, you know, a confirmation to our, our speculation here. So um, kind of sucks for Danielle Wolf, but I don't know the nature of her contract. Was it one fight and I guess it doesn't really matter if they shutter the division then it's probably in the contract that they can do that at any point and you know good luck to you but at least she'll get one UFC fight and that's better than nothing she'll get the experience um, and then presumably Bellator has you know their feelers out there and is ready to uh, to pounce once this division is officially closed um, this could be an interesting fight and it's more important for Wolf than for Spencer because Spencer's already a known quantity. I think it'll be easy for her to get to land somewhere else. But Danielle Wolf, I mean, she has the boxing pedigree, but how does she do an MMA against someone really talented? And since they're going to close the division, then it's really important for her to put on a good show to represent herself so that, you know, essentially it's an audition for another promotion uh, is what the UFC is giving her an opportunity to do to audition for somebody else. So I kind of like the matchup. Um, I know you've spoken to Danielle Wolf. Any uh, any feeling uh, one way or the other about this one? In all honesty, uh, we had to push back our interview, so I can't give you breaking news. Um, oh, sorry. sorry. I, meant pre- sorry. I meant previously. I, I, Before, uh, you know, yeah. So when I asked Danielle about it, um, and I was just like, look, you know, like I, I laid out the stuff that we all know and see, and I was like, do you... If the UFC, if 145 for the women just isn't in the UFC's plans, how do you feel about the the prospect of the Bellators or the PFLs of the world being, you know, and doing something like that and, you know, using the Contender Series spotlight as a springboard? And she did say, like, um, she was confident that they were keeping it. And she also further to say, it's like, you know, I got in it to be in the big show, which I completely get. And I think that's something for a lot of fighters is like, look, you know, um, respectfully to the Bellators and some of the other promotions of the world um I think that uh there are a lot of people get into it with the goal of you know being big in my home country and respectfully for the one championship athletes and everything else you know um though I think those opportunities to be build real big stardom overseas even with some of the deals they make they're a little further in between than you think all the opportunities you can make outside the outside of the fighting when you're a UFC fighter. So I think that that's something uh, for Danielle, that was part of it. But yeah, um, in terms of this, 
I heard the flyweights talk about it. Um, and they were like, you know, I was getting ready for my UFC debut and people were interviewing me saying, how does it feel to be the last flyweight fight in UFC history? And it's like, I know they shuttered the lightweight division a long time ago and like BJ Penn left with the belt and then he came back and all this other stuff. It's not completely, you know, never been done before in UFC, but certainly in the modern era. And um, I don't know how else to say it except to say that I think the ladies are just going to cut their losses and, you know, for the Megan Andersons, Felicia Spencers, Danielle Wolfs of the world, you know, if the UFC is only interested in feeding people to Amanda, I think everyone deserves the chance to go somewhere where they could go do whatever they want. And look, that's UFC's prerogative. Like, just call it what it is. And hey, let these women go wherever they can go and try to make as much money as they can outside of it. But to kind of have it all working with one woman and not really anywhere else to go in your own career, I do think that that's... Uh, you know, that's tough to see. So I would say, like, look, you know, just call it and let everyone go on to do what they want to do. Um, Once again, I get it. Amanda Nunes looks so much cooler, like we all do, with two championship belts instead of one. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. But you got four other women who have no one to fight because they've already fought each other. And then once again, Danielle Wolf, former boxer, beats the second best grappler in the UFC featherweight division. You're going to feed her to the goat? I I just... Mm. Uh, I know anything could happen, but we all know what those numbers look like, you know? Yeah, and that's interesting. A, Sorry, go ahead. That, that, no, I mean, that. I think that's all I really have left to say is that uh, once again... I think it's clear the UFC is not going to uh, go looking for new featherweights. I think, and I'll just leave it at this as my final point, is that if a Kayla Harrison, mind you, I know that's a stretch, and I've asked Kayla this, like, you know, I, I get it. It's like everyone wants you to come to UFC and fight your friend and teammate, you know. If a Kayla Harrison, and I do acknowledge that is, I'll say it, I think it's more 60-40 not going to happen then you know what what are we really doing you know uh, unless a girl like that is coming over i don't see the other women in the featherweight division having anything to do if not for the simple fact that maybe possibly the ufc were to give danielle wolf blown up bantamweights until you think her record is respectable enough to sell a fight with amanda nunes and once again, I know the, how big a stretch that is that is more unlikely than likely. Yeah, especially because what what's in it for the for the bantamweights that go up there and, you know, if you if you move your head the wrong way, maybe you get shot, you get caught with a Danielle Wolf punch and then that's it. Now you're now you've been away from 135 and you're no good at 145, so it's a big risk for anyone who's um like to move up to fight someone who isn't Nunez is a big risk, you know. No, for sure. But um, yeah, if that I do want to say, you know, and I heard this online, it's like, well, that's a lie and this and that. And I'm like, Megan Anderson's done. You'll notice, uh, I think that they frequently put her, you know, UFC on Twitch with Jens Pulver, Stephen Thompson. Megan Anderson used to be a very frequent person on there. 
I can tell you who's not going to be on the UFC Twitch anytime soon. <laughs> so my point is, Megan Anderson has no reason to lie to us. She's not under contract. There's no penalty. There's no punishment. Yeah. Nothing bad happens to her if she lies. She can spill all the tea she wants. <laughs> That's so, so look, I mean, once again, it's like, uh, it does make me wonder why they signed another featherweight, but I don't know. I guess the UFC is happy to change their mind, but it's just awkward. It's just, it's just awkward to watch it play out. It is awkward, uh, but as far as signing Danielle Wolf, like, I, I think it's just smart business because you know not that long ago Dana White was so excited about Nunes winning that he was like, "We're gonna, you know, let's build up the division. Let's let's really make it something." And then that kind of just fizzled out and died. And then with COVID, they just had more pressing things to worry about and so they were happy to take their attention off of that division and focus on things like just getting fighters to fight period so um you know there was some good intention there at some point a light at the end of the tunnel for the 45ers but i think i think probably covid did have a lot to do with why it was just allowed to fizzle out and 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 die so Real quick, what do you think about this stuff they're saying that Amanda Nunes isn't feeling a fight with Juliana Pena? Uh, I hadn't heard that, but I don't blame her if that's true. Like, you know, Juliana Pena, you know, that's what's tough about 135 right now. You think about the Rousey era and then how quickly it's sort of gone to a place where um, eh, there's just not a lot of um, action meaningful action you know to get to it's it's kind of like if you win one fight well maybe you should get a title shot and so i think if if nunez is resistant to the idea of fighting julieta pena that's probably why it's just like why am i going to go through a whole training camp and i don't think this person has done enough she's had a long layoff um but now i'm trying to remember who did she beat in her last two fights uh she lost to jermaine uh submission and then she beat uh, Sarah McMahon. Yeah, man. No offense to Sarah McMahon, because I really do like her a lot. But I don't think that's enough to get a title shot. So. Did not, you know that Sarah McMahon is uh, um, Chase Hooper's mom? What? Okay, so like, uh, I'll say this, not in real life, but you know how the joke is Chase Hooper's dad is Ben Askren? Yeah. Well, they did like a little short series that ended up on Fight Pass. And in the series, in the story, Sarah McMahon is Chase Hooper's mom. <laughs> like as a joke? Yes. Because oh, okay. remember, because Sarah McMahon's such a dominant wrestler. Oh, my God. I was like, wait a minute. This is like confusing my brain. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess his fictional dad is Ben and they picked Sarah McMahon to be That's Chase hilarious. Hooper's fictional mom. And I was like. That's she did pretty solid. I was actually very amused by their uh, their little comedy. It was That's very. Funny. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> I read Fight Pass. I, you know, it was killing time, and I was like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. This was very amusing. <laughs> um, yeah, Chase Hooper's like living at Ben Askren's house for a week and stuff. It's a, uh, it's just very silly fun. Um, Tony Ferguson coming back for against Benil Dariush. So obviously Tony is looking to turn this skit around. Benil, he's on a six-fight win streak. Just beat uh, Diego Freira, which was another surging lightweight contender. Um, what is the date on that one? On 
May 15. So I believe that's going to be the UFC. Uh, that's the May card that we just talked about. I think that's mm-hmm. 262. Um, you know what? I gotta say, I, I, I love it for Benil Dariush. I kind of like it for Tony Ferguson too, just because I feel like Benil is a perfect opponent. If Tony's gonna, you know, if Tony's gonna Tony, I feel like Benil is gonna is the perfect opponent. I think that Tony has the power and athleticism over Benil. And then at the same time, if you're for Dariush, this is that breakout fight to, you know, you beat Tony Ferguson. I'm not saying it's a title shot, but I do think suddenly you have a case for, hey, whoever loses between the, you know, the Chandlers and the Gaethje's, you know, whatever happens with Charles next. I feel like you're in that conversation now to get one of those guys on the way down. So I, I like it. I like it as, you know, as far as entertainment factor goes. Um, it's a good fight for Dariush. You laid it out pretty nicely there, what it, a win could mean for him. Uh, for Tony, I don't know, man. I mean, if you're on a six-fight win, winning streak, six-fight winning streak, you're feeling pretty good, and you're winning impressively, right, if you go back and look, and you're not beating nobodies. You're, you're beating talent that, that would very well have all expected or been expected to beat you if you're Benil Dariush. So, um, this is a great opportunity for him, and he's got that confidence coming into it. And Tony Ferguson is in the opposite camp, right? Two fight skid. Uh, both of them were memorable for the way he he lost, and you know, basically dismantled by Gaethje, and and sort of in a different way dismantled by by Oliveira, more on the ground. I don't know if Tony can Tony anymore. You know, I, I don't know if that's still there. Don't count the man out, right? We've we've seen it already before. We've been proven wrong before, but those were two significant losses, and so this is probably his chance to to do the comeback. It was, you know, the first opportunity was against Charles Oliveira. Now he's got one here against Benio, and. Um, you know, I'm I'm worried that we won't see it. Even if he loses, we want to at least see him be close to or the same level as you know El Kukui. But it's hard to watch when he's not because he won't quit. And um, you know, that's that's just where I am right now. I'm just a little uh, uneasy about it because I don't know which Tony Ferguson we're gonna get. Were you surprised that they didn't push possibly for? Um... Uh, Islam Makhachev I, I realize Islam Mahachev against Tony Ferguson no uh, I wasn't um, but I was like I, I wasn't really thinking about you know who's Tony going to fight next so so that's why it, it, it wasn't uh, Islam was not on my mind but when I saw the matchup with Dariush I was a little surprised I was like oh okay but you know you look at you look at Dariush what he's been doing and it makes sense and I wouldn't call it a tune-up fight by any means, but Tony Ferguson has already lost to two big names, and uh, so maybe you know they're trying to give him a little bit of a chance to to you know work his way back up to the top. But like you know, this is not do not sleep on Benil, right? No, I completely agree. I think for myself, um, if I'm being honest, I feel like it's a case of. Um, 
Islam probably has bigger fish to fry. Uh, like, I'll say this, you know, I don't know if we discussed it a lot, but I feel like Charles Oliveira shouldn't be counted out as a potential opponent for Islam. Because if we get to June, July, and you're talking about Gaethje's already got Chandler, um, da, 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 uh, Connor Poirier, okay, well, Charles Oliveira is somehow the odd man out and hasn't fought for six, seven months. I do think that Islam Mahachev could be a potential opponent, especially if you think, hey, you know, they might do a little, you know, Habib might try to sweet talk Dana a little bit, you know, he's going to do his thing. Dana, Dana, you know. <laughs> Islam fights Charles, I fight Dustin. Win-win. You know, yeah. you can hear him saying that. Yeah, Y'all know what Habib sounds like. You know, that's exactly what he's going to say. You know, I, I could see that um, happening. So I, I just think that that's uh, something to be said. I, Benil is doing great. I just don't see... Um, I just think that the UFC is kind of bigger on Islam right now. And I think that that's how the fight with Tony happened. And I, uh, for my money, that's how they're going to make all these pieces play out in about about three months from now. Okay, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. You're seeing the big picture here? I feel like I am. <laughs> if something else happens, I'll be shocked, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Like... Maybe RDA for Mahachev, but I really do think that um, if RDA, if it's our, and also I I do acknowledge I'm seeing Islam kind of tweet at RDA, but I almost feel like RDA is going to try to get the Oliveira fight, and Oliveira might prefer RDA to Islam. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, let's talk about this Saturday's main event, huh? Middleweights on deck. What I like about this is in the next, like, four weeks, I believe, we're going to have a bunch of high-stakes middleweight bouts. There's Whitaker versus Costa. There's Till versus Vittori. This one, I know it's like the dark horse, but I do think that it could give us something really good. Kevin Holland taking on Derek Brunson. Took Kevin Holland three months to get back, but he's finally got a top-ranked contender. What are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, this is exciting. This is a better opportunity for um, Kevin Holland. Apologies, there, my brain blinked. Uh, better opportunity for Kevin Holland probably than it is for Derek Brunson because, you know, Brunson's still a name. When's the last time he fought? Well, he fought in August of last year. He beat... Oh, he beat Edmund Shabazzian. I don't remember that. Okay. Um, That's surprising So, um, because I was pretty high on Edmund, but yeah. So very interesting. It's a good sort of like um, you guys weed yourselves out, and then if you do a good enough performance, then we'll we'll move you up into the bigger conversations kind of fight. So, um, uh, But like I said, it's more of a boon for Kevin Holland, Holland, even though he had that huge 2020 like Derek, Derek Brunson's still the guy that's been there and fought a lot of a lot of big names. So, um, but I'm excited to see it because because I think more people are probably excited to see it for for Kevin Holland. I mean, he beat Jacare not that long ago, and uh, that's that's well, that's a bigger name than beating Derek Brunson. So, um, we'll see we'll see how that goes. But um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, Derek Brunson. 
What's he ranked? Well, while I, I look it, that up. I think he's around five or six, no? Okay. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's an interesting matchup. But um, I mean, I'm not going to lie myself, and say I'm not more excited about the one that's coming after. So, <laughs> For myself, um, I think that, uh, for one, I think that Derek Brunson, he's kind of been putting it together uh, similar to the Jan Blahovich way. Like, it's kind of been a little more subdued before he fought Edmund, but it's kind of like just slow consistency. We we know he's tough. We know he hits hard. He's durable. He's got decent wrestling. But um, he hasn't been able to put all of those things together against the Whitakers and the Adesanyas of the, of the game, right? And he's uh, I know he stumbled against uh, Jacare, too. So uh, this is a huge fight in terms of establishing just like, I think his barometer, like, you know, are you a guy who is in that middle of the top 10, you know, around that six, five, four range, you know, and can you possibly get yourself higher? Whereas Kevin Holland, this is a good chance. This isn't a short notice guy. This is a guy with a lot of experience. This is a guy with a lot of stuff. I think that all those factors really can serve to propel him. And not for nothing, when you talk about Adesanya's beating three out of the four guys coming up in the next few weeks, yeah, a Kevin Holland win, a title shot isn't that far away. I know that may seem crazy, but if Adesanya honestly were to call it up and say, look, Dana, I've already beat Whitaker, I've already beat Costa, Let's say hypothetically Vittori beats Till. I've already beaten Vittori. Give me Kevin Holland. I don't think the UFC would really have a problem with it. I think the way they promoted him last year, you give him a good push against Derek Brunson, and here we go. So I don't think a title shot is out of the question for um, for Kevin. Also keep in mind, remember, that Adesanya has also beaten Derek. So... Yeah, uh, in terms of the middleweight world, you know, one, I, I feel like I did a good job explaining why it's Adesanya's world. But two, um, I think this is big for Kevin Holland. In terms of the fight, I do like it for him. I think he's long, fast. He's faster athlete. He's taller. He's more explosive, I think. I think a lot of Derek Brunson's power and where he brings the biggest threat is in close. He's, uh, you know, the Whitaker fight notwithstanding, he's a more difficult guy to put away than I think a lot of people realize. And he generates a lot of power when he's in there close to you and he can really just let those hands rip and dig into the body and everything else. I think that that's where he has a lot of his best success. I think the key is going to be he's got to really get his offense going early. He's got to take away the space of Kevin Holland. And then if you're Kevin, you really just got to be very disciplined, keep those shots coming straight down the pipe, possibly look to get a takedown yourself and eliminate the threat of Derek Brunson's power. But um, yeah, Derek Brunson, a lot of weapons. I think, though, this is going to be a bigger test. Can we see the Kevin Holland of 2020 against a well-seasoned guy who's had a full fight camp to train and prepare for him? Yeah, I mean, that's a great that's a great breakdown. So, um, I got no arguments there, and I think we can. Um, so I am gonna actually pick Kevin Holland. 
This is a main event. So I'm going to say I think he's riding high from his um, Jacare win. But Derek Brunson, as you wisely pointed out, is is no easy out. I mean, even against Whitaker, like, you know, they were going back and forth. And if I remember correctly, like, Brunson hurt him first, right? And then Whitaker came back and and hurt <laughs> Brunson. So, uh, so no easy out by any means. But I think Kevin Holland's got the confidence and got the power to do so. So um, I think he's going to be able to TKO Derek Brunson round three. So it's not going to be right away. Oh boy. Oh man. You know what? I've been calling these lately. I'm gonna double it down again. I just have been feeling a Kevin Holland first round finish. <laughs> I feel I I guess I just keep seeing a sequence. Um he kinda surprises Derek with some of that speed and he just kinda Puts a couple direct hits together early just with that. I just think he has a great style. He's got a lot of flow. I think he's got the physicality. And I think people don't give him the credit on the IQ that he knows how to get himself out of bad grappling situations. So I think he's going to be able to avoid getting clinched and, you know, just letting Derek Brunson wear down on him. I think he's going to be able to stay out of those positions. So I'm going to go Kevin Holland... Let's go first round TKO. Okay. For the win. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I do too. Thank you very much. <laughs> you picked it. You should like it. <laughs> no, but um, so that one is going to be fun next week. Natalie, can you believe it? We're already at that time again. It's another pay-per-view. Mm. The heavyweight title fight. Stipe Miosic, Francis Ngannou 2. Then we got the featherweights on tap. Volkanovski comes back against the new Brian Ortega. I mean, I kind of like it. What what stands out to you? I mean, what's not to like, man? That's 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 the one we're waiting for, right? I mean, when we previously discussed these two pay per views in March, uh, we were like, well, you know, Adesanya is bigger, the bigger name, and so that's probably going to be the the bigger of the two pay per views, but. It kind of shook out that even though there was some interesting things going on, it was, you know, a little bit of a, it was a little underwhelming, right, with with the three main events. Unfortunate, really, with Jan and Sterling. Very quick, too quick. If you blink, you missed it with Nunes and Megan Anderson. And then sort of unexpected if everyone for everyone that was riding high on Adesanya that he didn't get the win. So now we're looking at, um, like, four killers. I think we're going to see some excellent back and forth, some some bloody wars, at least Volkanovski, Ortega. Miocic and Ganu, like, when it's heavyweights, you never know, and this is Ganu's big shot. Uh, <laughs> I'm just pretty fired up because it's like, how many risks is he willing to take? Does he want to win more than he wants to... Does he want to just win, period, to be champion more than he wants to win emphatically to be champion? And so, you know, how, how um, many chances is he going to take? Uh, and you got a lot of freaking big names. So Almeida, Sean O'Malley, Vicente Luque, Ty- Tyron Woodley. Like this is this is thrilling. I'm I'm pretty fired up about it. I mean, for myself personally, I with the heavyweights. If I'm being honest, uh, look, they're the two best guys right now. 
could we see a replay of the I feel like we'll see something unsurprising for either way it could be Stipe wears him down gets him out of there it could be Nganu just catches him and that's a wrap early and it's like you know we'll be done with that and be like well what did you think was gonna happen yeah I would love for it to be a five round classic war of attrition down to the wire I really hope that I just feel like with these two it's gonna be one way traffic either way um and then when you talk about to me the real intrigue is in Brian Ortega I feel Mm -hmm. like we've seen if anything's been proven in 10 rounds with Max Holloway for Volkanovski it's the fact that he is a very very high level fighter I just feel like now where just how good is new Brian Ortega like you know that was a great win over zombie zombie is definitely no pushover but now we're talking about a real significant jump to that elite level we're talking about easily a guy i understand there's a lot of love for max i understand max really brought it against calvin cater volkanovsky is one of the few guys on that level and how does brian ortega do against that guy especially when we only have one fight to really evaluate just what his new style looks like now. So to me, that's where the real hook is, is that, you know, is it going to be the return of the guy who, you know, let's be honest, revolutionized the Modelo commercial for everybody. For everybody. Or, you know, is it going to be this Australian champion who just will not be denied as he continues blazing his own path? Oh, boy. I can't wait to dig into this. That's for sure. It's gonna be good. By the way, I I don't know if he's the um first fight of the night, but Lancaster's own my next door neighbor, Jesse Strader, stepping in on a week and a half's notice to fight Montel Jackson this coming Saturday. Wow. Natalie. Yes. Is that uh, is that how you snag the interview? You just knock on his door, say, "Hey, man." <laughs> okay, so I call him my next door neighbor because it sounds a lot more convenient than admitting the fact that he lives about two minutes down by car <laughs> but we we talked about this and it's like you know we live on the literally the same main street like so literally i get out of my little block of houses drive down this main street probably about a minute and a half turn into his block of houses and that's where he lives so <laughs> run into him at the grocery store and everything true story that's pretty sweet man that's pretty sweet and good for him to, to get that shot so that's yes a, that's a great so, one Check it out, Cage Side Press, or follow me at Double G on TV. You could check out my interview with Jesse. I'm not just saying this because I know the guy. I'm not just saying this because he's my friend. Go on YouTube, watch his fights, win, lose. It's always exciting. It's always fireworks. Definitely tune in early. Don't miss it. It's going to be a fun show. Natalie, that's the end of our show. You, how do you feel? I feel pretty good. Pretty good, because yeah, I'm pretty I'm good. exhausted and I realize the time and I'm like, oh gosh. Well, yes, I was gonna say, you know, but I'm trying not to think about what time it it is, and so you know, and I, well, I'm ready for dinner. Is it a late dinner or is it an early dinner? I don't know. I have no idea what time it is anymore. Well, guys, I mean, what matters? Got another week of MMA. Yes. So sir. until then, you guys have a good one. We'll be back next week.